Oseo beautiful people, you may now order signed copies of my wife and I's newest book at DaneMakeYouThink.com, available in both paperback and hardcover prints. The first 2,500 orders will receive a special gift included with their purchase. Also, be sure to grab your copies of our other five-star rated books at DaneMakeYouThink.com. Wado, thank you for your support. We appreciate you. Oseo, everyone. Thank you all for joining. Uh, today's podcast, I have a special guest with me, and we're going to get into the conversation in hand. Um, however I name this, is definitely going to be referring to the difference between the Native Americans and the American Indians. And the guest that joined me today knows all about it. And it's not just me that knows about that. I want to give you all different perspectives. But on that same topic, so you can be aware of certain things, some things I may not have mentioned before. He goes by the name of Legendary Top Cats from Houston, Texas. He's an historian and author as well. And he also makes content on YouTube. So give him a nice, warm welcome. Top Cats, how you doing? Peace, peace. How you doing, Brother Dan? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking, brother. I wanted to get into it, man. Um... This is a hot topic. I know it's controversial. It's no holds barred. You don't have to hold anything back here. We've been receiving a lot of questions from people. Uh, they want to know the differences. And I tried my best to break that down to them in many different ways and even show documentation telling them what happened as far as our history is concerned and then the history of the American Indians and how they came about. But from your perspective, uh, based off of the research you conducted, what are the differences between American Indians and the Native Americans? Are they the same to you? Oh, yeah. Well, great question. And I understand that it's uh, a lot of controversy surrounding this particular topic. To me, the differences are one would be an indigenous population and one would be a population that actually migrated here. It would be through a, a slave trade and um, it would be different migrations coming out of Pacific, Asia. Uh, Philippines, Siberia, things of this nature. Or as the um, American Indian, well, they'll be the true inheritors to the land that we call America today. And when you say that, do you mean that the American Indians did not migrate from another landmass that you just mentioned? You mean that they're strictly indigenous to this land? Correct. So, um, like, I go with my tribal history. Me, I'm a Kasadi Indian. My family, I come from a chieftain line of the Kasadi. And um, we'll take our stories. So many uh, American Indian nations or chiefdoms have their own oral stories. That's one of the things that we miss. Today, science has had the opportunity to write over it. But the indigenous stories say, like, I use my tribe, our oral traditions, um, our genesis starts here in the Americas. And that's with a lot of the other American Indians. So I think it's very important that we let the indigenous people speak for themselves because today now anthropology and science such as these things and the education system has rewritten over our story. And I'm glad you said it that way because now they can know that there is a difference between the two. So what are the distinct differences? Whether if you want to pull from science or pull from uh, the research and knowledge that you currently already have as far as the differences between the two, is it safe to say that they are immigrants referring to the Native Americans? Oh, that's a fact. Even when we go into their history, um, we have some of their historians even go for us to say that they don't have a, a knowledge of their, their ancient history. Mm. 
Wait a minute. So, uh, Wait a minute. Let's say that one more time. The majority. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's very we important. Have, we have the historians even um, who are being honest and saying that they actually can't trace back the the history. That's why the American government gave them a history mm. uh, through the boarding schools and, and so on. Man, that's deep. I mean, you do have a lot of them out there that can probably recall certain things that they were taught as far as them being on the res and everything like that. But when it comes to their history, authentic history of them verifying that they are indigenous to this landmass here, they can't tell you. Do you uh, feel as though that's an issue or do you feel as though that should just be acknowledged by the majority of them more so than anything? Well, I think they're more confused uh, when we look at America what later uh, the United States, which became in control over the immigration here, they were a product of the United States uh, immigration. So we have the European immigrations. We also have, uh, after the 1808 Trade Embargo Act, we'll see the Cooley trade come, which will bring over people from East Indians, Asia, China, uh, such as these things. But we see many populations of immigrants. The Homestead Act, 1862, uh, we know Ellis Island all the way up until 1924. Yep. Well, they, the Immigration Act of 1924 stopped it due to uh, the World War. So that stopped the mass immigration of white whites over. But uh, yeah, that's a story of um, a product of, of, of immigration here. So they was given a history. So what gives them the right to claim that they are indigenous to this land? Meaning, what gives them the right to claim that they are the original American Indians? Uh, the the U.S. government, <laughs> uh, straight up. <laughs> you know, the, the U.S. government uh created them. Uh, they colonized them and um basically put a label on them uh, for as a classification. Which some of them um they admit they they don't they don't fit these classifications. Uh, right. They don't agree right. with the stories being told by them. And again, that's another uh sense of um science anthropology and um education system writing over someone's story. Now, I didn't, I didn't quote a couple of them claim that we are Afro-Indigenous. They're trying to refer to us in Af- as Afro-Indigenous people. What do you think about that? Uh, well, the Afro title was something that came way later. Again, this was a tool of colonization that was created again through <laughs> anthropology, yep. um, the science, and them wanting to actually discover who we were. So a lot of people don't know um, the anthropologist was was first started here. You'll start down in Mexico uh, with those populations, but the father of modern would be Franz Boas, who had a large hand in um, the, these classifications. He did a horrible job on um, classifying Indians during regions. That's why a lot of people having time, I mean, having a hard time finding their tribes because certain tribes and areas were classified just by the area. And uh, Boaz even uh, let you know that he didn't have time to go ask the people who they were. Right. So he just generalized and made classification due to geographic. Not not only geographic location, he went off of skin base too. Like he he went off for the skin color. And um, huge in the um at the end of the of the 19th century, going into the 20th century. So it was a lot of funding and uh, a lot of study doing that. So we know Morton, the guy that came, what they call scientific racism or the study of the skulls. During the Indian Wars in the Southeast, the, the or the Western expansion of the colonies, uh, during those wars of 1811, 1812, the Seminole Wars, 
they used those bodies of American Indians. Those were the first and Morton sent it over to Europe and uh, these type of uh, stereotypes start to spread. Mm. Yeah, so y'all can thank France Boaz for that. What about Melvero uh, Hoskovitz? What about him? He's a student uh, of him, right? Correct. He was a um, grew up in a Jewish family. Um, he um, ended up going to um, college. He went to Harvard. Um, his education was actually paid for by a eugenics organization. He did come up under Franz Boas. He was um, one of the first to um, put this claim out that the American Negro had a culture and that his culture was in Africa. Mm. Uh, he traveled to Europe. He traveled to Africa, funded. Uh, he also went to World War One, so um, which is going to play a key role in this era of of this quote unquote Africanization of um, of the indigenous population. So at the time they were studying, um, Melville did a lot of uh, studies under uh, Boaz. A lot of it was wrong. He had a lot of controversy. A lot of people was going against him or uh, in the claims that he made. But uh, later he. Um, was taken to Harlem, got acquainted with those at the uh, Schumburg, um, doing at YMCA, who was actually paid for by another Jew, Julius Rosenwald, at YMCA uh, situation. Um, they had with the, what was called the Harlem History Club, which uh, Dr. John Henry Clark attended, uh, the first president of Ghana. Uh, you also had um, Kwame Nkrumah there, and Melville Herkovich was later introduced to these guys. He needed. Um, education on the Negro, and so these people will play a part. What's most interesting, in um, 1957, 1958, they created African Studies. And uh, Melville Herkovich, of course, he was uh, he was head over it. And, uh, <laughs> Big time. And in 69, they would create a sister um, association, which be founded by John Henry Clark. And this would, you know, take him into, uh, you know, master teacher status him working side by side with them. But this this was actually funded through the CIA and it went through um, anthropology. I think it's a long, I don't want to go too long, but they had a lot to do with him. Uh, Melville Hergovich, he actually went off to World War I. He was uh, funded and it was uh, research purposes, not actually military. So with these people, like, I mean, so they should be familiar with them because I went over them before and I'm referring to uh, especially Franz Boaz and Melville Hoskovich or Hoskovich, whatever you want to, how you, <laughs> however you want to pronounce that. I went over that before um, as far as their history and how they implemented uh, the, basically the out of Africa theory. And it was something that is a theory still because it hasn't been proven at all. <laughs> at, and all the way up until now, it still hasn't been proven. And um, that's why I wanted to sink in. It's just a theory. But with that, going along with that, at that same time, how were these Native Americans given that identity by way of the government? Like, what were the things that were implemented where they were taught that they had to go with that uh, classification? Well, one of the uh, times we first see these uh, immigrants given indigenous status would be in the 1600s. And so there's a great book by uh, Tiziana Salas, um, uh, University of Miami. And in this book, it's called... Um, she speaks about the Chinos, which, which deals with the specific slave trade that was coming over. These people, actually, the the immigrants, if they converted over to Catholicism, they would have the right to vote. 
you know, they would be given benefits, had a right to vote. And one of those would, they would go from being Chinos, which would be basically slaves, these slaves that are coming through what is called the Manilian Galleon. Um, they would be given indigenous status as Indians. And um, Why does that sound so familiar? Like, that sounds like a word that's being utilized in South America. The yeah, Chino word. Migrations. Yeah, you had large migrations over there. So the Chinos are people that's going to actually come out of this uh, Filipino trade, slave trade. There we go. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. They like to speak about 1492 and the slave trade coming out of Africa. But if we're going to be honest, a lot of these European nations didn't didn't even reach Africa at that time. They didn't so, have a stronghold. Correct. They um because the expiration of Africa didn't start until close to the to the end of the 1700s with the African Association, which was to discover the interior parts of Africa. But they missed out at a time period when the Spanish came. The Spanish would basically now implement themselves into this this ancient trade route from Mexico to the uh, Philippines to the Pacific Islands and so on. Now in in the Philippines in the 1500s, you had China. China were already there when the Spanish got there. So you had a class of indigenous people there. You had a class of what later became known as uh, mestizos. Yeah. These, and you had Chinese mestizos. So now you're going to have the Spanish that's mixed with the Philippines and also with the China. And they created class systems through that. So they were bringing them over since the uh, 15, 1600s. And so a lot of the Mexican culture today is actually going to come from these Filipino islands. So a lot of the cultures you see down, like the China Pueblo, which would be a dress that was worn by Lady Catherine, who was actually a, a slave vic- a victim of this um, Mongolian, I mean, Manila Galleon slave trade that was coming from there. And so they're still holding in the culture today that you see it today in the Mexican culture. Now, it's safe to say, with that being said, that these people that are considered uh, Native Americans have their origin, China, Philippines, they're mestizo. Uh, correct. Some of them, because all of them didn't have their origins. You also had uh, those that came out of, um, you had some that came later, 1538. You had what's called Morro Bay in California. They would arrive there through this Magnolia Gallon as well. They have a historical marker that, that, that teaches you about that. So that's why you see a lot of that population in Mongoloid, a slanted out of Asiatic population on the West. Now, the ones came down in the Mexico that also was a different class, but we also, and then later, like I said, the Chinese in the 1800s through the coolie slave trade, but you um, you also had the Siberian influence. Yeah. That came so like, yeah. okay, so a mixed breed. Correct. Would mixed people be considered indigenous to the Americas? Oh, no, sir. No, sir. That's why they gave them a classification like today when they'll say um, so-called black, right? Um, now you have a lot of black people or so-called black people in this country, but mm-hmm. everyone don't have the same wood. A Not lot at of all. Melanated people migrated here, uh, whether it be from Europe, the Caribbean islands, or, or where else. So um, we, uh, that's one of the things I like to keep on the board. Um, but yeah, so, and they were all cla- later classified into one group, categorized into one group. Yeah, it was a way to uh, politically control the population. So it, it makes sense as to the reason why Noah Webster gave the definition 
uh, of American and how it correlates with the same definition he gave for Indian. Correct. But he did use the terminology native in there. Yeah, just meaning born, anyone born in the land. So anyone that'll be born in America would technically be native to America. And see how that could get confusing to somebody? Right, because you can have a native uh, British, uh, uh, native Australian, you know, so on and so forth. Just mean someone who was born um, born in that landmass. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're indigenous. Their origins, correct. The mm-hmm. origins of their bloodline come from there. Like Trump, trace, he could trace his bloodline to those that came through Ellis Island. Right. Which he was having a problem with. So, yeah, that's why genealogy is, is important in the foundation of building the family tree so you can understand and know where you are in the story of history. Uh, because just because you're born, let's say like me, for example, I'm born in Texas. But, um, you know, through my genealogy, I was able to see the migrations that brought me here to Texas. My people didn't originate here. We actually came through, came here through different migrations in my bloodline. Okay, so I want to make it perfectly clear so people can understand that what you're hearing is the differences between the two. American Indian is going to have their origin story here. Native Americans can have their origin stories elsewhere, like outsourced. And I guess that is the reason why there's some conflict amongst us and the Native Americans, because we know what's going on and maybe they do too, and they don't want that information out. Why, why do you feel as though we're getting so much backlash from these people that are upset because we're putting the truth out about who we really are? Well, there's two main reasons. And um, one I'll give is that they were colonized as well. So they don't exactly know who they are. Mm. So if you was ask a Native American who's their third or fourth grandfather or ask them the contributions that they made here in America, they wouldn't have these. But I think the greatest um, reason, the number one reason would be that why it is kept the military action of the U.S. or as the westward expansion moving out from Texas on out west uh, was done by the Buffalo Soldiers. So during the Civil War, Uh the the Union created what's called the United States Colored Truth, the USCTs. Before then, well, I'll take you back real quick. 1830, you had what was called the Indian Removal Act. Those that moved west, later you had the, the Seminole Indians uh, who were going to the creek 1845, get to Oklahoma, and the creek at that time had the same laws as the U.S. So they came to Texas in 1829, but since they railroad the first uh, so-called black uh, Mexican president, outlawed slavery. So they found freedom there on the borders of Nacimiento. Later, the U.S. came to them and made a deal with them Gave them a lot of promises. They joined, helped them fight off what is called the Plains Indians. These would be the Mongoloid Asiatic. Yep. After that, they closed those down. After the Civil War, they closed them down and they kept four units, which would be later be called the Buffalo Soldiers. These units, these soldiers, every war that was fought going west was fought by these soldiers, mm-hmm. fought by our ancestors, and we defeated them. So every treaty that the U.S. Able, was able to sign with them and put them on reservations was due to the actions of uh, the Buffalo soldiers and the, and the um, military genius. And so basically the, that's where one of the dislikes come from because uh, even the name Buffalo soldiers is said to be given by them because of their, their fears, you know, they were fierce warriors. That's, I think, the number one reason because... Uh, 
you know, they understand the history that um, the conditions that they were put in uh, were actually done by the military genius of us and not actually, quote unquote, the European, the white European. Yeah, they, the Buffalo Soldiers was a big deal and should be held up high. I know a lot of people were trying to say uh, that they were enemies and, you know, they were enemies to certain people. I'll tell you that. But those particular people were never really quite our people. Uh, what do you say to that? Oh, no, nah, they definitely weren't. They didn't share the same experience. And I think the ultimate um, proof that of the difference is the culture. Mm-hmm. So when we look in the culture, yeah, we see them um, dressed in these, you know, these these costumes, I would say. I don't want to disrespect them, but dressed in their tribal garbs. And uh, we see their ceremonies. We see their dances. But uh, what a lot of people don't understand is these things were taught to them. Yep. That was a part of their quote unquote civilization. Yeah. So when we look into the culture here, one of my greatest things is we'll go to the food culture. Um, native, you never passed by or got on Uber Eats or got dressed up and valeted and sat down at a five star Native American restaurant. Mm. Um, they have no food culture. You never passed by a Native American uh, fast food restaurant. Mm. Um, yeah, you. They don't have a a, a menu. Um, cultural uh, uh, derives around the area that you in, and you're gonna use use the agriculture that's around you. A lot of them were nomadic, so they didn't build civilization um, because they didn't have the art of agriculture. Agriculture allows you to stay in one place for lengthy enough time to actually build a civilization, rather than like the nomads where you wander after or uh, migrate after the the herds, so you can make sure you uh, you eat. But they have no culture here. When we go to the wars, when we talk about the wars, talk about the 13 colonies, the prison, and none of these. The holidays that are served here are all tied culturally into our people. Mm-hmm. The customs, that's why when you sit down and eat, uh, everything is indigenous to America for us to menu. The culture of America to the outside world is the culture of us. And no um, aspect do they uh, benefit the foundation or the building of America, everything that's great about it uh, came from our, from our minds and our, our genius mind, our gen- the genius of the American Indian and also the hands, uh, the labor, Native Americans, uh, you can't include them in none of those conversations. And that's being respectful uh, and just telling the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, they'll, they'll cope with it, the, you know, the best way that they can, but it's the truth. There's nothing wrong with telling the truth. It might hurt somebody. You know, because it will probably be a hard pill for them to swallow. But the truth is not there to make friends. The truth is not there to uh, be settled with you, <laughs> like as if they're your friend or they're your companion or anything like that. No, it's it's there to be the truth. And however you take it, it could be again, it could be like a slap on the face or it could be a pat on the hand or it could be something that will allow you to progress in life for you to understand what's going on. To have knowledge. I say uh, what you're saying, those things about the Native Americans, especially the differences between them and us, that should allow people to understand that we have a lot more to do than just sit up here and scream, yell, and cry about gaining reparations. And, oh, we need reparations from this particular government when we understand that this government that's in place is our enemy and has been ever since its inception. I mean, think about it. When have we ever thought? Or when have we, okay, when can we confirm 
that this government actually did something for us. We got to name a time. The only time that I could think of is when we were a part of the government, meaning having control. Once our situations changed where we didn't have any say-so or any hand inside of the government, it worked in their favor. Their favor meaning the immigrants or the uh, foreigners' favor. The only difference between us and Native Americans is the fact that we are indigenous to this landmass, and they're not. I want to ask a question. Um, when you went to school um, throughout your whole um, time in school, did you ever go to school with the Native American? No. And I mean, look, the Native Americans look, like you said, the mestizos. They do look like either Asiatic or Mexican-ish or Filipino. Or right. Fili- I mean, that's so every single them, one of them. Yeah, and we see them in, a, in, in, in more so in the West. So... Um, the U.S. interaction with these people today that's called Native Americans didn't come into the 1850s, 1860s. Yeah. They didn't sign their first uh, treaty with the U.S. until the 1850s, 1860s, really. Um, and, and at that time, it, it was so much had went on. So if you had the Indian Removal Act of 1830 and you don't have these people signing the treaty until the 1860s, uh, then who are they? So right. geographic would be a, another um, 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 point to point out that, um, especially when you're talking about southern, southeast, um, you know, eastern woodlands, um, you know, talking about things of this nature, the Great Lake regions, um, this history is, is all us. That's so, us. Yeah, when we find the land, you know, people who's owning the land, we look on the censuses. Um, we're not seeing any of these people in any of this history, um, and and they don't. Call, um, they also don't follow the culture. You know what I mean? As as um, you know, that in we, depth that as we are, like region. they'll copy. Correct. You know the the models when they first started coming to the Indian schools. Um, well, I, I first want to say the first schools in America were all American Indian schools. All your Ivy League schools, Harvard, uh, Princeton. I mean, you name it, all of these schools were created by Indians for Indians. Yep. Later, you had schools like Hampton University. Um, Hampton University brought over people from the West to a program, these Native Americans, and they were taught in schools by us. Uh, they were also taken to Tuskegee, where they learned agriculture, uh, they learned mechanics. Um, they learned different things of this nature. And then they were sent back out west to start their own schools and um, basically use their blueprint. Now, not only did they use that to, quote unquote, civilize the Native Americans, but they also would use their project to civilize the colonies of uh, Sierra Leone and also Liberia. Yeah. Yep. Right. Same method. Some people yeah, should be familiar and, with that. One of the the the... the Guys who get credited to being um, the founder of Pan Africanism uh, would be a guy by the name of Edward Blyden. Yep. Well, he he came down to Alabama, went down to Tuskegee. We know that deep history of Alabama, uh, my nation um, coming down out of Alabama. Um, he came to Tuskegee, which was basically like a vocational school, it was a training school. Um, and that blueprint, he went back and um, created. Um, uh, one of the first colleges in, in Liberia off of that same blueprint. 
Uh, you had another huge Pan-African, James Agri, the guy who actually was the mentor to Kwame Nkrumah, which Kwame Nkrumah went through a government school and, um, and, and Agri was there. He came over to uh, Livingston College and, and taught under Joseph Price. Um, Livingston College was named after David Livingston. He was one of the greatest missionaries in, uh, in the, um, uh, how can I say it, the colonization of Africa, but it was in the uh, beginning stages um, to, of the discovery of it. And, um, and that college was named after him. And uh, he, Avery stayed there over 40 years. He ran it, married a, a Virginia lady out of, married, married a lady out of Virginia. But he would uh, be one of the first to come over and be taught here in America and sent back to Africa to um, create this uh, school. Um, latest blueprint of foundation of what they got from what we were doing here in America. That was a part of colonization. It then sprung about the societies. Everybody was pulling their tails trying to figure out which way to go. The missionaries had control of the majority of it, uh, meaning the uh, religious societies. You're going to see many denominations of Christianity involved in this heavily. Um, To go back, matter of fact, that's a good question. What is the religious belief of a Native American? Um, Most of them Christians. Um, Believe it or not, most of them celebrate all the holidays here. Um, they don't necessarily have their own, like I say, the languages or uh, their style of dress. If you if you look at the powwows from the west to the east, um, they all wear the Ojibwe dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, so this. I'm glad you mentioned talk that about cultures, <laughs> right? Man, so you have Topcast. Before you go any further, the Ojibwe. Uh, you know, I'm using Niji, and that came for the Ojibwe language. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, I just wanted them to know that because I was kind of poking fun at the Native Americans at the same time by utilizing that particular language that I know was not theirs. They know it's not theirs. When we when right. we talk about the Algonquin languages, we all over that. I mean, but go ahead, Topcast, go ahead. Yeah, they they have a universal, it's a universal system with the Native Americans. I mean, from here to Oklahoma, this powwows that they're having, these basic ceremonies, they're universal. It's the same way from the east to the west coast uh, nations. So we understand that someone came in and created basically like a curriculum that that was to follow. And that's why we see the universal, because no way that these tribes on the east coast will have the same exact culture as on the west coast. And we see the same thing with our people that they try to formulate us into these political ideologies that they've created agendas behind. And so you see everyone in dashikis to represent African nations and such and so on and so forth. Or <laughs> uh, uh, take the Adinkra uh, patterns uh, or things of this nature when a lot of people don't even know that King Adinkra had uh, European origins, German origins. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a it, you know, even the African nations, that's why we only hear of certain nations there as certain tribes there as we hear in America. Take like the five civilized tribes. We had Ashanti, uh, Zulu, Fula, mm. You know, these, these same um, nations, which are also government recognized, like here we have federal recognized, well, in Africa, they're government recognized because these were, um, um, cre- they were basically created during colonizations to uphold, uh, be the standing government for the indigenous populations there. 
And so they did the same thing, grouped them in after migrations and classified them. No, um, you know, colonization. They used colonization, the same, same thing. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, that's where the term Bantu came about. That was a derogatory term, marking the people, trying to label them something else that they not. Just like how they got the little socially constructs of black and uh, what, what else they call us? Um, Negro, colored. They did the same thing to them. Referred to them as Bantus. <clears throat> um, well, I do want to, before we close out of everything, I wanted to talk about um, where do you get into inside of your newest book, uh, The American Bloodlines? Uh, am I saying that correctly? That's the entire name of the book, right? Uh, yeah, America, Bloodlines of the Gods and Civilization. So what are you getting into inside of that book that they can actually go purchase right now? It's available online. Shameless plug. It's online right now. You could go to his website. Mention your website for me. And, okay. and also they could go to Amazon.com and type the name of this book in just in case you guys want to do it that way as well. Correct. Correct. Um, y'all can find it on uh, BigChiefUniversity.com where you get an autographed copy. And we also have bundle deals there ranging from $15 to 35 well, basically, what, what, what um, you can expect um, to find in this book is we bring back the uh, beauty and the greatness and the genius of America. Uh, they deem it the new new world, but in actuality, it's actually the old world. It's the old world. It's the, it's the place where the foundations of um, religions were uh, created. Every religious system came from the spiritual system from here in the Americas. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the gods. If we go into the uh, Sumerian culture, ancient Egypt, even in the Bible with Jesus, all of these will have the, these spiritual systems will have their origins coming out of America. We'll prove that without a shadow of a doubt. We also speak about civilization, which is most important um, here in the Americas. If a lot of people don't know, we have, you can put every pyramid or every standing civilization today together, and we outnumber them by the thousands here over the Americas. I think that was something that should have been brought out. So <laughs> as far as masonry, we are the originators of masonry. Yep. Uh, we took this science on the road. We were... Um, Hold on, wait a minute. Let me make sure y'all know that he's not referring to just masonry work. We did that too, but he's referring to masonry. Oh, yeah. Or oh, The origins of Freemasonry comes from America. Skull and bones. And, and, it, and it actually was... People deem it bad today, but the origins of it. So I, I give you this, right? Um, mm-hmm. In the beginning stories, when we look through all of the, the uh, I, I won't say religious texts, but um, when we look through these schools of thoughts, all of them speak about uh, people coming here and creating another race to do labor. Also coming here to mine uh, different gold and resources that were here on, here on the earth, where you have ley lines and energy centers around the um, earth. Mm-hmm. Well, these people um, had the science and the knowledge to go to where these uh, metals, precious metals were, and had the skill to extract them from the earth. Well, this science will later be passed down, and we can see it through the different civilizations yeah. um, uh, around the world. Now, after the Bronze Age, which a lot of people lost the art of seafaring, everyone didn't have the art of seafaring, the Americas had that art. And that's how one of the indications how we take it around and we can see our customs and culture around the world. That has uh, been adopted by certain people. Certain people got their little swing of things 
But yeah, it originated Correct. here. They were they were basically colonies. They were basically the book of Tillers show us how they were basically colonies of people come from the America. So the guards, like I said, these uh, of our spiritual systems became religious systems to uh, other people around the world. Uh, even Egypt, we go into debt on how Egypt was a colony. They outsourced a lot of their things. Um, and starting from normal all the way to the last dynasty in the 30s, um, they had great, um, their greatest contributions came from outside sources, which would be people from America. I'm glad you mentioned that. That could be food for thought for you all. That, that may be new information to you all. If you haven't heard of that, that will be another reason why you should go grab that book. Especially when I'm thinking about people hearing that for the first time dealing with Skylar Bones. I tried to give them bits and pieces of that. This is the reason why a lot of them Hebrew brothers love what I'm doing. Some of that stuff does connect, but not to another landmass we're talking about here. We're talking about grandma. Correct. Correct. Yeah, so that that skill, that um, basically it was the science of the goers. These people who came here understood. That's why they had the 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 knowledge to sell, to the knowledge to ship build, the knowledge to uh, build in high altitudes, whether it be mountainous areas, uh, their military genius, um, their ability to um, to smelt iron, to make create weapons, uh, their abilities to navigate um, uh, the seas through the uh, through the stars uh, star systems. Um, all of these things will later become come into what is later called. Um, these secret societies. Right. And they were kept secret. Right. These, so it would be the bloodlines and it also would be the, the sciences uh, that will come from what people would call the gods. And in this book, we'll, we'll show that the origins of those gods came from America and was spread out throughout um, the world. Uh, Earth. Look at it this way, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, they did take and adopt a lot of things that we initiated. But just look at it like this. Look at it like it's magic. It could be used for both good and bad. Right. So a lot of those societies are utilizing it to their advantage. It will be good to them and bad to others that oppose what their agendas are. People have their own propaganda, but it originated here. I'm glad that you were able to mention that and actually tell the people the differences between the Native Americans and American Indians. And also, one more time, what's the name of the book and where they could get that from? Uh, America, Bloodlines of the Guards and Civilization. You can pick it up on my website at BigTVUniversity.com. You can also get the book at Amazon. Do me a favor, Topcast, and give you a close of remarks. I say this, um, shout out to everyone out there on their journey. No matter what school of thought you in, um, you know, my message is universal, is to find the greatest story never told, uh, which is the book of you. Uh, everyone has a mother and father, so everyone has a story. Your bloodline, um, your family tree is what made you to be. So um, unlock that mystery. And instead of spending countless hours on, you know, studying whatever school of thought we've been in, a lot of us been studying these things for a while. But um, when we can't speak about ourselves or when we can't find ourselves in the story, then we're doing our ancestors a disservice. Because um, a lot of our history is not in these books. A lot of these people didn't know our families. So our stories is going to come from within, from our families and also through our research and the study of our bloodline and where our branches on our tree take us. It's a journey. It's a long journey. It's a forever journey. It's a marathon. But we must do our part now to solidify the future so we can bring the next generation into something 
where they can um create a foundation where they can have a foundation and uh you know create this new era which we in right now of knowing thyself. With that being said, uh, I appreciate you, uh, brother Dane, and I uh, look forward to our next uh, build. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, this ain't going to be the, I mean, it is the first one, but it ain't going to be the last. And I also want to inform you all, uh, me and Top Cats actually did a video that's located on my channel right now, on the main channel. We were reviewing this movie called The Harder They Fall, and I forgot the name of what I named that video right off the top of my head. But it's on the channel. You will see, as a matter of fact, you can just type in either Top Cats, Harder They Fall, or type in Dane Calloway, Harder They Fall. We're referring to uh, the Western movie a modernized movie um, and we're referring to all of the people that they were uh, trying to portray in that movie, which were the Indians as well. Um, you know, the Cowboys are the Indians, Indians are the Cowboys. We just went over right. that. I just felt as though that it would be perfect for him to join me on that note, because that is definitely his background with him being from Texas, born and raised. I just felt as though he was going to crush it. And he did. If you didn't get a chance to check it out, look at it right away. If you all enjoyed this podcast and you want more like this, so you definitely want Topcast to come back, say it in the comments right now. Spam it. We're going to make it happen. Topcats, I appreciate you for joining me. I appreciate you, Dane. Appreciate the work you do, family. We riding with you. We riding with you. We riding with you. We riding with you. OCO, Freethinkers. You're now tuned in to the realest historian on the planet, the best teacher you wished you had in school. Have your pens and paper handy and get ready to take notes. It's Dane Calloway on I'm Just Here to Make You Think Radio. Radio.